Uh, um, alright. Let's get, uh, eight millimeter. Oh, welcome to Movies Are Dead. Oh, let's do this. We're back at it again, guys. Eight millimeter, directed by Joel Schumacher, 1999. Um... This is another edition of Naughty 90s November. I'm rubbing my chest as I say that, doing a sexy dance. He's he's clamping his nipples, right? I'm clamping my nipples as we speak. It Uh, fits this movie. Written by Andrew Kevin Walker. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, This is a very uh, morbid, fatalistic. It is a morbid, fatalistic Nihilistic. There's no hope here. Before we get to that, though, no hope. We got Nick Cage, no hope. Joe Aqua, or Joaquin Phoenix, James Gandolfini, Peter Schramar, Anthony Held. What a great movie! This is Ben Shapiro's favorite movie, by the way. I didn't know that, really. Yeah, but he doesn't get it. He doesn't know. He doesn't get what he's trying to say. He like enjoys it. This movie's so perverted. I don't think he'd be into that. No, he he he's into it. Oh, he's a Kramer. Oh, he, he, he gets down. Oh, oh I get by. <laughs> uh, cinematography by Robert Ellswit, edited Great by Mark Robert Stevens. Ellswit. Excellent, excellent here. You know. You've got the nineties dream team here. We do this movie is peak nineties. Yeah. You know, the Ellswit, if nobody knows his uh, cinematography, amazing. There will be blood. His work with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh. Uh good night and good luck. Right. One of my underrated favorites of the 2000s, directed by the one and only George Clooney. Amazing cast, by the way, and the resurrection, beginning of the resurrection of Robert Downey Jr. All right. Oh, yeah. Robert right. Downey Jr. So here we go. Here we go. Eight Ugh. millimeter. So, Boris, what did you think of this movie? And can you, a- can, can you answer me a question? I feel like my brain's leaking out of my ears. Yes. That's awesome. Is this movie... A remake of Hardcore, directed by Paul Schrader from the 70s? In a way. Yeah, it's reminiscent of a... It's a classic. Yeah, it's like a... It takes a Paul Schrader slash, slash searcher's template of recovering that... If you recover that one girl, all balance will be restored to the universe. But turns out that even if you do recover, find her again, it's all gone anyway. It's all it's all gone. Yeah. It's all gone to shit anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you're right. It has this, like white moral moralistic i don't know if moralistic is the right word but like you know morally upright yeah. male protagonist oh, yeah. who's tasked with finding a woman who's been taken who's yeah. lost yeah. so you got you know taxi driver you got hardcore you got the searchers searchers yeah and um turns out that even if you do find her there's not really much hope left anyway yeah pretty much it I has to be revenge that, now there's that great line by joaquin phoenix was like I'm paraphrasing here, but he's like, if you dance with the devil, the devil will stay the same. The devil will dance back. Right? Is that what it is? He's like, you are going to change. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking asshole. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the devil's going to dance back. Yeah. (laughs) I thought that that was actually it. I was like, really? That's it? But pretty much, you're eventually going to turn into the devil if you hang out with the devil too long. He's going to stay the same, though. The devil's always the same. All right. So the plot. All right, let's get to this because it's a little confusing. I don't know. So private investigator Tom Wells, played by Nick Cage, he's contacted by Daniel Longdale, an attorney for Mrs. Christian. Her husband died, but while clearing out the husband's safe, they find an 8mm movie, snuff film, and and it has a murder of a real girl. 
in the movie, and pretty much Mrs. Christian hires Wells to find out who this girl is. That's right. With that, it it kind of like kicks off slow descent into hell. Slow descent into into hell, but also like a multi city scavenger yeah, hunt. It's like a noirish multi city sort of Indiana Jones adventure. It okay. is. Yeah. Right. I think Joe Ackerman would be data in this one, right? Who? Joe. <laughs> Joe, Joe Ackerman. Yeah, Joe Ackerman. Joe who? Joe Ackerman. Joaquin Joe? Phoenix. Oh. Well, Joaquin Phoenix. It's a joke. Sorry, I'm a bit slow today. Joaquin Phoenix um, pretty much would be Data if this was Indiana Jones. All right, let's get through the cast. Data from like Star Trek? No, Data. Short Round. Oh. Data from Goonies. Short Round from Indiana Jones. I haven't seen the Goonies. You've never seen the Goonies? No, it's been mostly to like people talking it up a lot and uh, it annoys me. I don't want to do that. I don't want to get engaged. This is how I know you grew up in Mexico. (laughs) No, like I remember all the white kids in middle school being like, yes. oh, the Goonies, the Goonies, the Goonies. Yeah, and I'm like, exactly. I don't, all like, the white kids. On the basis of your face. Dude, you're right. On the all face the- you're making while you're talking about this movie, <laughs> I don't want to watch it. Okay, so the cast, Nick Cage is Tom Wells, Joaquin Phoenix is Max California, James Gandolfini is <laughs> Eddie like Poole. like the fourth time you've gone over the cast. <laughs> Peter Stromar is Dino Velvet, <laughs> Anthony Held is Daniel Longside, Myra Carter as Mrs. Christian. I'm so dizzy right Catherine now. Keener is Amy Wells, Norman Reedus, Bye. A brief cameo <laughs> as Warren Anderson. So, all right. So this movie has a lot going on here. I mean, when I watched, I, I watched this movie about like 13 years ago for the first time, and I thought it was a really good movie. Yeah. Um, rewatching it, it's still a good movie, but it it oozes, it oozes like 90s filmmaking. Yes, it's a uh, it's a good movie. Which I wouldn't uh, expect. I don't want to get. I never like to get carried away by like what people would have heard about certain movies. But if I was gonna be, you know, sort of mediocre, and it wasn't. It was actually pretty good. I think it's probably Joel Schumacher's best movie. And uh, he made a lot of bad ones, that's for sure. But this one's pretty good. I would say this is one of his best movies. I enjoy this one along with I know sue me, hate me, barrage me with emails here. Batman Forever. I love that movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah. I think Val Kilmer's an underrated Batman. Um, I think there's a darkness to that Batman that is nowhere to be found in Batman and Robin because that's a damn toy commercial and a half for like yeah. for KB Toys Mattel. I don't yes. know. I don't know, man. Giving Batman and Robin are like, what What do you got? What do you got out there? Ant-Man 2 or something? That is true. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I'm trying not to be so angry. You're on fire today. I know. It's, uh, it's real. I mean, you can tell as soon as the, the opening credits start that there's a lot more personality to his directing than most directors today. It's There's... a very flamboyant style. I don't know how to sort describe of. it. Sort of. Not for this as much. No, this is a dark movie. It's modeling itself after Seven, right? Sort of, yeah, In yeah, some yeah. weird it's, way. Yeah. I mean, even the locations they use, like James Gandolfini's office, it's like in a warehouse in downtown. It looks like that's off of like, that's in the garment district in downtown LA. It's like in these warehouse buildings out of like the 30s and 40s. There's like tarp on the walls. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's been uh, production designed to the nth degree. And yeah, whereas in seven you had Darius Kanji, who who made you feel like you could just pick the grime off the sets. This mm-hmm. feels a bit more uh, manufactured. It feels like every set 
in the movie just feels sort of, you know, it feels like a boomer's idea of what's sleazy and what the porn industry <laughs> it does. looks like. Yeah, I know it was filmed at Columbia at Sony Pictures, I think. I'm Culver sure. City, California. Culver yeah. City, man. So, yeah, it does have a it it does have that. It's like a boomer's visualization of like grimy undergroundness. Yeah, you know, it's like you would imagine a lot of these porn offices are a lot more corporate now, but that's true. Maybe at one point in time, they were like it, even for like that. Even for ninety nine, it looked too sleazy. I was like, I know he's sleazy, yeah, he's Gandolfini, Mister Gandolfini, but like, I don't think it's that sleazy. I think he would at least have a tie on. Maybe I don't know. You know, maybe not. You know, like Peter Stormare's office. It just like there's like I love that leather best. There's like old movie his props. His character. It's like a metal core. His character sort of as the director. Sort of energy. Yeah, he's the MVP, MVP of this movie. He steals this movie. Yeah, he this does. Guy. He brings like a comedic touch that I know. I don't know if it's supposed to be funny. I don't know if that was the intention by it, but his comedic timing. It's great. Is pretty it's such spot a on. It's almost like if Marilyn Manson just went into snuff films, and that's what he would turn into eventually. Yeah, this, he has sort of this like carefreeness about him. He's sort of like he sort of like feels so free as a person. He it's is like, free. He's like he's knowing he's going to hell. Yeah, and he's enjoying the time it takes to get there. Does he even come out in movies anymore, Peter Stormare? Sometimes. I don't know why. He should be in more movies. I mean, he was on a roll back then. Yeah, I think he, he, what, he did this one. He yeah, did Armageddon. Fargo, Armageddon. Fargo. Yeah, he was all over the place. He was all over the place. He's great. I don't know why uh, he's not more employed. I agree. And it's just, you know, his character was amazing. Nick Cage, though, I mean, great movie by Nick Cage. You know, this is post-Stealing Las Vegas. I think this is right before Stealing Gone in 60. Las Vegas. Oh, I mean, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> this is, sorry, that's another movie that, that's a completely different movie. Stealing, they're Stealing Las Vegas. That's a different movie. It's Eric Roberts. Nick Cage. <laughs> yeah, Eric Roberts, Clarence Gilliard, they're in that movie. <laughs> the movie I'm talking about is Leaving Las Vegas by uh, Paul Fittis. Or is it Mike Fittis? I think it's Mike Figgis. Mike Figgis, yeah, with uh, Elizabeth Shue and Nick Cage. He won the Academy Award for that movie, rightfully so. That's the best Nick Cage movie ever alongside, I liked him in Pig recently. Oh, Matchstick yeah. Men is pretty good. National Treasure, I, I enjoy it. Oh, yeah? Um, People like Mandy. People Mandy's a good Mandy. one, too. I mean, he's in Kick-Ass. What else? A Valley Girl. As we've classic. discussed obsessively on this podcast, I've obsessed over that movie for some reason. Peggy Sue Got Married, that classic. Peggy you know, Sue Got Married. doing like some weird shit in that What's that movie? other one with James Caan? The Honeymoon Honeymoon something? There's Honeymoon. one he did he's with James Caan set in oh, Vegas. Oh, yeah, where he's like, there's offices in Vegas. Something like that. Yeah, anyway. This is the the start of, uh, you know, like big Nick Cage, right? That's what I was about to go into. This is the beginning. I'm not going to say it's the beginning of the end for Nick Cage, but he starts to go into bigger and bigger movies. And I think The Rock, he had done The Rock already, I want to say. But yeah, I mean, he did this one. Gone in 60 Seconds. National Treasure was on the way. Uh, what's another one? I mean, Matchstick Men. Mm. Um, but, you know, it kind of, it, in my opinion, it started be, to begin that lost period for Nick Cage. It felt like a for bit. a moment there, he kind of just drifted into this weird place along the lines of like superstardom, memeism, and like Tom Cruiseism, like this weird 
intersectionality where it's like you're such a big star you can't go anywhere mm-hmm. you can't do anything odd spotlights on you all the time yeah you know we see it with johnny depp yeah tom cruise nick cage but i would say this is probably one of his better movies i know at times you know his acting could be comedic watching it nowadays i started laughing at sometimes I mean, it's an absurd operatic movie. I think it fits. But I think that's just Joel Schumacher being Joel Schumacher, yeah. right? Like, that's A Time true. to Kill is this, like, crazy operatic theatrical event. And the actors in there are, like, giving this, like, performance you'd only see in plays and stuff. Or, like, his Batman movie. It's, like, the most flamboyant Batman movie yeah, of all time. Yeah, movie sort of remind me, like... The time he grew up in, he was watching movies from like he was watching the classics, you know, thirties, forties, Douglas 50s. Sirk. I was about to say Maladroit. You were watching stuff. Montgomery Clift, you were watching Brando, James Dean. And those are those are guys who like gave big performances and big that's performances. what he kind of carries on into that's the 90s, true. into um movies like this where the tone is well, you would expect it to be something different, but he, he brings something that's funny in a good way. It brings out the absurdity in the story. It does bring out the absurdity in the story. In life. By far the most absurd character aside from Peter Schrammer is uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Who becomes employed by Nick Cage in this movie to sort of be his co-partner through this odyssey. Through yeah, he's like Lil Robin. He's a little sidekick. He becomes a sidekick. Yeah. Pretty much his backstory of Matt's California is that he went to L.A. to go and get into music. He started working at a porn star, and that led him to other things. Right. I really like the depiction of Hollywood in this movie. This is Hollywood pre-gentrification. It's low, dirty, nasty Hollywood. There's still porn stores, strip clubs. Granted, those places are still around. But there was more of a grime to L.A. and Hollywood at the time. There was a nastiness. Um, and you could see the youth just hanging outside places, waiting around. Yeah, mid-90s. Or- right, just hanging out. There's no technology whatsoever. Like nowadays. Yeah. No, can't be staring at like a phone. Now. You're sitting there against the wall with a cigarette reading a fucking punk zine. And you're like, why can't I get on some open mic stage and perform? You're sitting there. And the, yeah. That and it's it like was? 75 degrees and it's December and you're from Cleveland, Ohio. And you're like, it's fucking hot. And you're sweating. And you want a girlfriend, but you can't find any women nearby who are moderately attractive. And you're like, this is Hollywood. Very specific, but yeah, yeah, sure that was going on. I like uh, I like Nicholas's Cage little hardcore moment when he's watching the night elevator. Let's talk about time. that scene. That's my favorite scene. Turn it off. You would expect someone who's in his line of work to be tolerant of that sort of imagery. That's what I'm saying. I love his facial expressions and the gasp. He's like, ugh. He's he's squirming around like he's, he's never like, seen like this, something like this before. It's like and I'm like, oh, she's about to be killed. And I thought he would have... Exactly. I was like, isn't he a PI? I thought he would have seen multiple dead bodies. Yeah. But I guess it's the act of them killing her on screen, them showing the whole piece of footage, and the fact she's so young. Yeah. I'm guessing. Sure. I don't know. But yeah. By far, George C. Scott's moment of watching the porno footage. Pretty much, if you guys haven't seen Hardcore, George C. Scott watched watches a piece of footage porno involving his daughter and this stranger and she's having sex with this stranger on film and George C. Scott's like turn it off (laughs) turn it 
and he has his like hands in front of his face and it's just like it's really a Newsmax nightmare. And then, like, Peter Boyle is waiting outside, which is, like, the worst guy. He can, He's the worst guy you want to fucking see. Yeah, like, Peter Boyle is going to tell you some stuff about your daughter. Fucking savagely sexed with on screen. You're like, mm-hmm. hey, what's going on? This is the kind of shit that Newsmax warns you about. They but warn you, you every pay, day. You never pay attention. They're telling you day by day. They're like, they're out there. These border hoppers. They're taking your daughters. They're taking your daughters. They're having sex with them. And then they're going to film it and, and put it on the it, websites. They're going to put it on Pornhub. And they're going to be like Demon Lover. And then nine <laughs> months later, they're going to have a half-breed child. And it's not looking good. And you're like, what do I do? It's like, worry, fear, more, more. Anyway. I love George C. Scott's turn it off, turn it off better than Nick Cage's gasps and ugh, you know. <laughs> so this movie... Well, no, like the, they're trying to like paint him as as a guy who's very morally... Morally... And ethically... Right. Bothered, right. disturbed by this. Right. So that's why, that's why as, as he goes as deep as he goes... Even Max California, Joaquin tells him, he's like, what? He's like, you're married and you have a daughter. What are you doing in this field? Right, right, and he's like, "You're he a makes good that guy." Face too. He's pretty much, yeah. He's pretty much saying, "Like, you're a good guy." Yeah. What are you doing here? And I think it makes Nick Cage debate as to what is he doing there. He's secretly smoking cigarettes behind his wife's back. Yeah. There's right? a hidden dimension to his character that we, um, that thankfully we don't really get to see uh, Bieber explaining during the movie. Adaptation. Yeah, adaptation's a great That's movie. That's another great Nick Cage movie. Yeah. And what was I going to say? Yeah, that uh, we want to wonder, or at least the filmmakers want us to wonder that, is he into this? Is is he doing this that's, out of some, some yeah. sense of justice that's gone from the world, doesn't exist anymore? That's true. Is he naive? Is he dumb to keep doing this? Is it like a redemption? Does he just like playing the hero? That's the thing. It makes you think. And eventually we see Nick Cage become somebody who is kind of unrecognizable by yeah. the end of the movie. And probably the best scene in the movie is the the scene where he calls the girl's mother. Yeah. That's for permission. That's like he's kind of That's right. Yeah. And he's very blunt when he tells her. He's like, I have the man. The man. He just tells her what happened to her. Like, it's like he wants Your permission. daughter, she's dead. She's buried in the woods. I have the man that killed her. Have you ever seen a character do that in the movie? No, that was great. That was, you know, refreshing. You don't see that. Like, you brought up the searchers. John Wayne would have just killed the guys. Yeah. And that would have been that. He actually went out of his way, asked her, let me get permission to do this. Yeah. There's this weird, I kept on thinking about religion in this movie. Catholicism, Christ. I don't know. The importance of how, like, the women play a role in this movie. Like, his wife very forgiving, almost like a Mother Mary, right? Mm-hmm. And then the girl's mom, forgot her, forgot her name, but the girl's mom, how she's sort of like believing in something still. Mm-hmm. My daughter's going to come back. Yeah, well, she has to, yeah. I mean, it's those little, uh, how would you describe it? Like I said before, yeah, it's like there's, you think there's this balance of good and bad in the world, and this thing will make you it's gonna tip it one way or the other, right? That's true. Like if if this thing goes the other way, you're gonna lose all hope, and that's yeah. what you see at the close the flat, the final shot 
of Nicholas Cage smiling, but inside you can tell he's bro- completely broken and traumatized. There is nothing behind his eyes. Yeah, just at the end of the movie, broken, completely when empty. The newspaper, not the newspaper, <laughs> the you, the post office man gives him the mail. Yeah, and he sees the letter from the girl's mom. Mm-hmm. He reads it, and then he looks up and he sees his wife in the window with the Catherine baby. Keener. And the, yeah, just shout out Catherine Keener, great role. And there's nothing there behind <laughs> so, his so eyes. Cool. Yeah, it's just empty. And you think uh, some members of the audience, maybe Ben Shapiro, would be like, "Oh, he's a, uh, oh, he's found hope in the world. Everything's gonna be okay I, now." I don't think so. He, what he found was a fucked up. He went into some grimy, nasty places with Joaquin Phoenix. Right, and now he knows that there's no hope in the world. That this thing is going on daily. And do you think he was fulfilled or satisfied once he killed those guys? No, I don't think so no. either. It's all gone. It's I all think bad. he became one of them in some weird in way. In a way, yeah. So yeah, yeah, when that like um, machine is finally revealed, he's <laughs> finally unmasked, and uh, he's like, "No, my dad, my dad didn't molest me. I wasn't beaten. Yeah, I just do it because I like it." I like when he takes off the mask and he's like, "Didn't expect this." Huh? <laughs> and he puts on the glasses. Like, he well, just it's like exactly like what you expected. <laughs> he's like, "It's just this is what the f-, you know like yeah he looks like that guy." And yeah, he wasn't beaten. He wasn't molested. Yeah. He had a great childhood. His mom's like a part of that Christian fellowship. Yeah. It's a little bit too much of that extra irony. I would have taken that out. Just it, me. It's a it, bit too much. It but, was just you know, that reveal. I was like, oh. Points made. But yeah, sometimes bad people are just regular people. I yeah. Think the places he goes to, Maybe. like with Joaquin and like those underground places. There's a cheesiness to it. It kind of feels like Definitely. a Law and Order episode from '95 or something. But yeah, it's not like uh, you know, irreversible. Yes. Uh, you know. Yes. Goes into that club. The rectum. Yeah, the rectum. <laughs> That's what it's called. That feels kind of dangerous, but like with that these feels movies, disgusting. Yeah. It feels like you're actually in a fucking rectum. It wasn't an actual rectum. That's disgusting. There's they like a whole bunch of dudes there. around. Yeah. That's still that's making me nauseous right now. <laughs> I think about it. The beginning of the break his arm. And it's like. Oh! Right off, <laughs> fuck! When they break his arm, yeah, Vincent Castle's arm, right? They yeah. break it. When they break his arm, Jesus fucking Christ! Ugh. You know what else is disgusting? What? That the guy who actually did it is just standing there, and he doesn't die. Nothing bad happens to him. I think. Oh yeah, he gets away with it. Gets away with it. Yeah. Oh God. I like where they go though. Good double feature. <laughs> it is. It is a double feature. Anyway, um, yeah, they go to those underground places. Yeah, Joaquin yeah. is showing them. They're like, "How about that scene where he asks the Mexican guy for snuff film and he oh, fucking yeah. freaks the fuck out?" That was a great moment in Latinx presentation <laughs> we had there. That's what I was about to say. I was, I was like, Even, "Oh, thanks, you fucking prick." I was like, "Why would you? Why would you show us as a hothead who doesn't understand compassion?" I mean, I'll- compassion. It doesn't seem like Joel Schumacher has even met a Mexican man yeah. in his entire life. That is true. Rest in peace, Joel Schumacher. I was joking, but the depiction of a Latino in this movie, I'm just like, really? That's... He's even pointing the gun sideways. Uh, he's pointing the gun sideways. I think he's even wearing a fucking tank top. He is. And I'm like... Gold chain? With a gold chain. And cross. And he has it tucked in, and I'm just like... I'm like, <laughs> I was like is this it? I'm like, is this really it, man? And he points it, and he's like, what? What'd you say? You know, yeah. And he has it, and then like, he's like, money, give me the money, and he takes the money, yeah. and then they just run off. And then Joaquin couldn't step in and say anything? Yeah, I know. Nick Cage saved him. 
I really enjoy where they go, though. Like when they're in the underground places, and then they have like way beyond. There's even a section called Kids, and I was like, what the fuck? You know? Mm. All the pervs are looking through, and Joaquin's like, this place is going to get shut down soon. We got to take a look here. And they're like taking a look through everything. I like when they watch the video of the Filipino lady. They're like, yeah, we paid 1200 bucks for this. They use the same lady. Yeah. And they kill her. You're just relieved. Right? Yeah. Oh, hell, it's the same lady. Like, oh, they're like stabbing each other in the back. Oh, it's the same lady. Oh, thank God. Yeah. I, I really like when they introduce Dino Velvet's production company and when they put the tape in. Yeah. And it's like Dino Velvet. And it's like a dog going, whoa, whoa. And then and it's, it's like a cat. the cat. It's like a cat. And then it's like another doctor. I like how they like paint him as like an actual artist. He's like, he's know, an artist. Like, you know, on guard porn. I like when Joaquin's like, you know, I really liked what you did with that scene and the story. And I'm like, really? Yeah, I mean, this is, a, this is quite a movie. It is. I, mean, I don't know why people uh, don't like it. This so movie much. made like a lot of money. Did it? How much money did this movie make? Know. Bring well, it up right now. I didn't think For it did. For anybody who's, uh, who's like curious about how much money 8mm made, let's all look it up right now. Because this is going to blow your minds. Yeah, it's doubled his budget. Made for 40. Made 96. 96 million. Almost $100 million. Yeah. That's insane that a movie this dramatic and action-y can make money like that, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the power of Nick Cage. Nick Cage brings out everybody. I think he just he has that face. That's true. I did go see Pig, and nobody was in the theater, even though I love that movie. Yeah, that was like an Andy Nick Cage, though. But Andy like, Nick around Cage. Around this time, like, you would go see Nick Cage. You got Con Air. Yeah. Dude, Con Air. There you go. Con Air. That's another one I forgot. Yeah, all these classics. He was, like, constantly, like, busting out. Gone in 60 Seconds. Love that movie. Who's in that movie? Is Giovanni Ribisi in that movie? Yeah. Dude, he is and so freaking good in that movie. I think Giovanni Ribisi, late 90s. That's, like, great. Like, Boiler Room? Yeah, it came in, like, Adam Goldberg, you know, like, Indies, 90s boys. Yeah. We should review Steve Boiler Wolf. Room. I think that's an excellent movie. All right. Yeah. Scott Kahn. Anyway. Yeah, so 8mm, I mean, this movie, it's very 90s. Even Nick Cage's outfits. He has those little, like, Morpheus glasses, big yeah. leather coat, you know. Face off face-off totally forgot about face-off yeah. jesus what a movie that is bizarre it's a great movie I've that is watched, a pretty i watched that movie, movie like 800 times i know you time. probably watched it on Univision the last time it was on there telemundo they probably played on telemundo i had a bhs copy i just rewinded <laughs> dubbed it was it dubbed in spanish no i don't know what image of me you have but I know. I'm going... <laughs> <It's not in laughs> <English>. so anyway <laughs> um yeah 90s outfits james daniel feeney's wearing that huge like floral print he has those like uh, sideburns, and he's got those cheesy, sideburns. nasty, like Smash Mouth sideburns. Yeah, he's a real creep in this. He's you can see shades of Tony Soprano in this a little bit. This is like a year after the pilot of The Sopranos, maybe. Yeah, you're through a shot before it's right. Up, really. So you could see shades of Tony Soprano. I'm like, I can see him in here, like when he's getting the he blowjob with the hand. He's on the phone. He's like doing like oh, this. Oh, that? Yeah. He's, he's like angry that. and gesticulating. And he's like, no, I never seen the fucking girl. Right? Get the fuck out of here. He's like that. I'm like, that's Tony Soprano. A little bit. I was like, that's him. He's using a little bit of like his more like his real voice. I guess so, yeah. I really like the scene when they kill him. Yeah. You know? I like when like... You I mean, he beats him to death with like his little pistol. Like it, this it pistol. It should have been an easier way. Yeah, I mean, they take a break, right? Well, Nick Cage was just going to leave. He decides to call yeah. 
you know, the, the girl's mom gets permission, goes back in. And I like Tony Soprano, not Tony Soprano, I like James Dandolfini when he's tied up and he's like, who's there? Who's there? I like the scene before that where like he licks the gun. Oh, I forgot about that. He's like, come on, fucking shoot me. He's like, fucking shoot me. And he like puts it, ah. Dude, I couldn't stop laughing. It's a great moment. I was waiting for him to start sucking on the pistol. I was like, this is this is great. This is very Joel Schumachery. He's into that. He's into like flamboyancy. Like, like everything's turned up to ten. Even the music. Did you notice that the yeah, music? Definitely. There's like random bagpipes. The music is like Indian Bollywood music. So yeah, parts of it. Then there's like bagpipes, and then you got like the usual like melodramatic sort of. And then there's like at times there's uh, like trip hop. Yeah. <laughs> And Crazy. like industrial, and I'm like, I don't understand why they had Indian music in here. I like uh, how Aphex Twins come. <laughs> What's the song called? Oh, Aphex Twins come to daddy. Come to daddy at the end. Yeah, I like I how they're that using scene. that as the like the, to the daddy. like the example of like dark, depraved music. No, you said it correctly yes. earlier. You said this is what the world, dirty world, looks like. Yeah, to a boomer. Yeah, and said it's like it's like a nerdy British man making electronic music, and this is like the it like is, the, yeah, it's, like the worst they can think of as yeah. you know, dark, disturbing. Come to daddy. He got paid out though for that, for probably, sure. Yeah, he probably made a lot of money off that. Yeah, good for him. No, honestly, good for him. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that video by the way? Come yeah, to daddy for sure. I Long love video. that. Oh, that's great that Chris, uh, who did that one? Cunningham. Chris Cunningham. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Actually, I own a DVD set of like music videos. Director series. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I tried to buy those, but they were like $40. I bought them at Amoeba for $3 a piece. It's crazy. And last they time I went, they not, my dog. coworker lent me them. My, you know, this Gen X guy? Yeah. <laughs> really good guy. He he lent me the director series mm. like uh, six months ago. And it was Spike Jones, Michelle Gondry, Chris Cunningham, Sebastian said Louis. I think that's how you say his name. And Mark Romanek? Mark Romanek and Ant- Anton Corbin. Wasn't there um Jonathan Glazer one too? Jonathan Glazer as well. Yeah. All of them. He let wow. me I didn't give him back for for four months. But dude, if anybody knows that series, it's called the director series. It was released in the early two thousands. If you could find a physical copy of that or anywhere, watch them. Yeah, they're great. They're I can't even describe like how good they are, and it makes you think about like music videos in a different way. Yeah. I think they're gonna do like a Fincher one, but they got canceled before. Yeah, they were supposed to do like Fincher. They were supposed to do Roman Coppola, yeah. Hype Williams. Oh yeah. They just never did. I don't know why. I think that stuff's amazing. That was the golden era of uh, uh, music videos, especially my favorite one was um, Spike Jones, and then uh, Michelle Gondry's as well. Yeah. Jonathan Glazer, is my favorite. Yeah, he has Jonathan all his like Glazer. commercials from like all of his commercials. He made a great Levi's commercial. Yeah. Yeah, I love that Levi's commercial where it's. If anybody hasn't seen it, it's pretty much a guy in like the 30s. He goes to a convenience store to buy condoms. He interacts with the clerk. The clerk is kind of like shaming him and buying condoms. It cuts to the afternoon, night. He goes to his date's door. He knocks on the door. Who answers the door? Uh, the clerk at the store, who is the father's girl that he's about to see. 
thought he would be there and like the clerk would be having sex with his girlfriend. That's disgusting. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it wouldn't be his dad though. It would be like some guy. It would be a random guy? Yeah. That's... No, the clerk would be some random guy not our dad. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Your face right now. It's disturbing. If anybody knew Boris in real life, they would be like, this guy's amazing. He says random things. They're funny. Anyway, yeah, director series. I know, yeah. That was on topic. That was uh, director series. Check it out, though. (laughs) Maybe we should review at least one of them, actually. Or we should just... I'll bring the copy copy of one, and then we'll... Yeah, we can do some commentary. We'll do commentary. Commentary, yeah. We'll choose certain music videos, and we'll do commentary. Because those music videos are literally, like, works of art, in my opinion. Especially the Bjork ones. Like, uh, Isabel. It's so quiet. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Forgot the other one. There's another one by Michelle Gondry. I already forgot. I forgot the name of it. But yeah, they're really good. Makes you rethink music videos, actually. And it, uh, I wish music videos looked like that still. But now yeah. they're just like weird commercial. Not always. There's still good ability. ones. Like, I haven't seen a good music video in a while. I mean, people just don't, you don't have the access to them. Like, you used to have BH1 and MTV. That's true. It's more like, of a market. You have them. to, like, look for YouTube. You have to, like, find That's what's annoying. a good one. I don't like that. Yeah. The beauty of MTV was, like, you could put on MTV and it would, like, be, like, on the guide, it would say music videos for, like, three hours and you would be, like, oh, I don't know who this is. Let's uh-huh. play through it. Right. And you'd be, like, oh, that was a good music video. And then, you know, Right. I miss that. Times have changed. All right, so 8 millimeter. here we go. Oh, okay. I would recommend this movie. Uh-huh. I think this movie was good. Sometimes it has very comedic moments that are not supposed to be funny at all. You did a good laugh. I don't know why. The Dino Velvet promotional footage was great. I love the cat hissing. I can't get over that. <laughs> Dino Velvet himself is amazing. Yeah. I love when he like puts uh, Nick Cage's family's picture in his mouth and he, like starts. To That's chew the it. shit I'm talking about. Like, there's little moments that Peter Stromer does like that, mm. that are just like what? Like that whole scene in the warehouse, and yeah, he puts the the photo in his mouth, starts to chew it, lets it go. When he gets shot in the neck and he's holding it and he drops to his knees mm. and he's trying to talk and he says, I didn't think I would die. Or, and he says, I thought it would be more cinematic. <laughs> Who says that? Bizarre. That's a great character. Should do a prequel. They should do a whole movie with that guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I also recommend this movie. I think it's good. I think it's got that good old fashioned absurdity nihilism in it. I mean, too. It does. 99. Came out in 99, too. The, the year movies were made. Made money. It's right? crazy. A lot of money. That was the magic 99 year, according to Mr. Mr. Rafferty in his book, Best Year Ever. If movies. they made this that movie this year, who would be in it? Oh, who would be in this movie? First of all, you can't make a movie like this. Well, let's anymore. say you could. Who would you have in this movie? I would make this movie NC 17. Sure. I would actually show, like, a lot more nudity okay and a lot more uh sexual depravity uh-huh and i would it's crazy have you would say that you huh <laughs> is it surprising it's crazy you would say that uh-huh. yeah no, yeah uh-huh. so i would have okay main oh, character well, i would actually switch it up i would actually have as the main character i probably have lakeith stanfield 
Well, let's say you want to make money with this movie. <laughs> you have to keep it R rating. Oh, okay. It has to be R rated. Yeah, it has to be R rated. That studio said you can only make an R rated movie with this I'm material. I'm still having Lakeith Stanfield is still in the movie. Okay, he's still the main guy, and he would be amazing. <laughs> Lakeith Stanfield is Nick Cage. Joaquin Phoenix is Timothy Chalamet. Okay, Timothy Chalamet is playing his his role. Is Match California? Okay, that's weird, but okay. It's hard to imagine Timothy Chalamet has seen a breast. I think if he shaved his head and he got piercings on his face and he went with it, yeah, it would work. James Gandolfini would be The Rock. <laughs> Peter Schramar would be played by... Who's Macaulay Culkin's brother? Kieran Culkin. Kieran Culkin. That'd be him. That'd be him. She's obsessed <laughs> with him. She's like, I love him so much. Yeah, she does. Let me tell you about Kieran Culkin. Oh, my God. He's just amazing. <laughs> She's going crazy over him. He's just great. Um, James Gandolfini. Who else is in this movie? I already forgot. Who would you have in the Catherine Keener oh, role? Okay, Catherine Keener. That'd be played by... Little thankless role. Man. Uh, um, Let's get Brie Larson in there or something. Yeah, we could get someone like her. Sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll get someone like her. Uh-huh. Who would play machine? Who's the secret machine? I would have probably like a comedian. Yeah. I would have a comedian do it. Like Bill Burr. <laughs> no, no, no. He's way too old. He's too old. It'd be Tim Dillon. Tim Dillon would play. Tim Dillon would play. Tim Robinson. Who? Tim Robinson. Who's that? I don't know Tim Robinson. Yeah, I would have Tim Dillon play <laughs> the machine. I don't know who Tim Dillon is. If you look him up, you'll that's be like, <laughs> if you look up Tim Dillon, you'd be like, that's that's who he is. I think it's Tim Robinson. Or uh, the dude from Legion of Skanks. What is Big that? Jay Okerson. He's a comedian. What's the Legion of Skanks? The Legion of Skanks is a unit of comedians and fans that love comedy it's where are these yeah. kinks it's just like a saying it's just a name oh it's like a little misogynist thrown in there yeah okay nice they're comedians yeah so um who else is in this movie who's uh mrs christian you know the old lady the big mansion that'd be like judy dench <laughs> or like that other lady from that movie she always she's like british she has like big eyes I forgot her name oh okay <laughs> Who's the who's the lawyer? You know, the lawyer for the goatee. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Oh, it's we're like gonna get uh, Matt Damon in the cameo role. Oh yeah, that'd yeah. be perfect for him. Yeah. He'd be like, is that Matt Damon? Yeah, Matt Damon, informant Matt Damon, be like yeah. that. Um, and yeah, that's how I do it. Cool. It has to be NC-17 though. I'm sorry. Was well, you're fired as a director? Well, I guess we'll knock it down to rated R, but I'm gonna have an NC-17 cut. There's gonna be some real fucking dirty shit in this movie. Oh no, man! We're gonna have fucking. Feel like I could just get someone else to do this. Thing. We're in the film. I could just get the Russo brothers to turn this material. <laughs> Russo brothers? Yeah, Russo That's brothers. a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Seen candy. And then I want like that a cameo be... of a rapper in this movie, in the underground scenes. Mm-hmm. Like I want like, like a rapper. No, no, he's no. He, I want younger. Now, no yeah. offense, Snoop. I want like a younger, like a Gen Z millennial rapper. Who's gonna play the cholos? You know, Who? like remember the scene? We're gonna have Danny Trejo. Okay, at the classics have, out there. We have somebody else. Tampi Shao, man, doing a dual role. I like when they do dual roles. I like that dude from Training Day who came out of the Dark Knight Rises as well. 
You know mm. who I'm talking about? He, no, I don't. Man, he's a, he's a Mexican dude. He's a really good actor. He's the dude that says, don't be rude, Ese, in uh, Training Day. Classic line. It's a really good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's how I do it. All right. That's uh, that's uh, that's your eight millimeter right there. That's my, it would be nine millimeter. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> after the whole. they made a sequel of this, like straight to DVD or something? Yeah, it's true. I guess it's more of a Carlito's Way Rise to Power situation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to anybody who knows that movie and wasted their time watching that fucking movie. As I did back in 2008 or 7, whenever that movie dropped. Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's how I do it. Uh, eight millimeter. I would say check it out. If you're going through a 90s odyssey of movies, check this one out. It's worth it. It's worth the time. Joel Schumacher is loud, flamboyant. He's out there. Rest in peace. But he... He made something. I like this movie. He did something pretty good with this movie. And Falling Down is another movie I like of his as well. I know that movie has aged terribly. That's a good, good Newsmax movie right there. That is. <laughs> that's you right there. I think, I think if we. <laughs> I would. That is a good Newsmax movie, yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah. I like that movie, Falling Down. It makes a lot of sense, that movie. A lot of white rage like, in that movie. Yeah, when you're depicting that movie, you're like, oh, God, this... It's like... <laughs> to me, like, the way Joel Schumacher depicts fast food in that movie <laughs> and that scene, it's so gross. And then the way L.A. is shot in that movie is, like, fucking nasty. But it really looks like that in, like, July. Like, July, August in L.A., September, it's like disgusting like that sometimes. It's like 90 degrees. It feels like 110. There's smog. There's traffic. You're like, what the fuck is this? This isn't even a city. I'd still live there, though. That's home. Anyway. I'll do four episodes now. You're Before we guy. leave, this movie reminded me so much of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Did A lot. I don't know why. I think because it was a rich family and... Fa- hiring a private investigator and they're depicting stuff and there's murder. And at the end you find out that the husband, you know, the widow's husband was, yeah. he just wanted a, he just wanted to make out these wealthy motherfuckers are perverted. They're like, why do you do it? Because he could. Yeah. That's like the most depressing ending. Well, that's what the whole thing is, right? The also machine says the same thing. Yeah. What's his, uh, Dino Velvet says, I thought it would be more cinematic, but yeah. Anyway, uh, check it out, guys. God bless. See you next week. Bye. Is that it? Wait, wait, we're not done yet. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. I was distracted by this commercial on TV. Anyway, that was uh, eight millimeter. Thank you for listening. Rest in peace, Joel Schumacher, Nick Cage. Keep up the good work. I really enjoyed Pid. And yeah, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix was stellar. Man, it's so weird. Is it before we leave? Was it just me? But watching. Joaquin Phoenix and Nick Cage have scenes together. Was that like awesome? I don't know why I thought that was awesome and fun. Yeah, it's great. It's two great actors. It's like the energy. You can feel the energy. We love our listeners. We love people listening to this, whoever. We love fan mail. If anyone would love to leave a review, an Apple podcast or something like that. Reviews are always good. Five stars, please. Nothing less. You know, we we appreciate everybody (laughs) who loves movies. (laughs) May God save cinema. It's dead. And God bless the USA.
All right, guys. So we'll be back next week with uh, the idiots. Uh, we'll be back next week with the idiots. Been wrapping up for like ten minutes over here. I know. You think, All right, guys. Well, if you have any recommendations, yeah. recommendations, shout-outs. We love you. Goodbye. Bye.